We'll turn to the book of Jude. Bear with me also this evening as we're, I believe, Lord willing, coming to the end of uh, this cold that's plaguing me. All right, Jude chapter, huh? Huh? Oh, <laughs> never. All right. <laughs> Jude chapter, well, Jude 1 started here in verse number 17. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own godly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some having compassion, making a difference, and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the throne, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, though there's many absent here from uh, the services this evening, uh, many plagued by illnesses, Lord. We pray that you'll strengthen them, heal them, Lord. We long to be with them and worship again. Lord, as we focus in on these few verses here that we're covering here in the book of Jude, Lord, may you empower us this evening if we have found ourselves in a place where uh, we're ready to quit. Discouraged as we view other churches or other places that proclaim to be churches. Lord, I pray that we find ourselves charged here this evening to re-enlist if our hearts have wandered astray and to the place where we feel like quitting, Lord, I pray that through this text we hear Jude's charge to the believers to remain, to not quit, that in the age of apostasy we must double down, strengthen in ourselves and our most holy faith, learning to pray, learning to study, learning to encourage each other. Lord, I pray that you'll bring our hearts to a place of obedience, Lord. Be with us this evening. In this time we study, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to focus this evening. Can everyone hear me? Okay, I can't hear myself, but that's fine. I'm, but i uh, just making sure here. Um, focus this evening on <clears throat> verse 20 and 21. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, uh, praying in the Holy Ghost. 
Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. It was said that Florence Chadwick was a, a world-class swimmer. She was known abroad. She was the first, one of the first women to ever uh, successfully swim the English Channel. Now she had taken on upon herself that she had decided that she was going to swim this 26-mile trek from Catalina Islands, uh, the Catalina Islands in California, all the way to the mainland in California. No one had ever done this before. So Florence went into the, uh, into the specific with a number of boats surrounding her, and as she made the trip, she swam hour after hour. It was a very foggy night when she tried to do this, and it said as the darkness set in around her, she had begun to say aloud that she couldn't even see her own hand as she put it in front of her face. After swimming 15 hours and 55 minutes, she waved to the boats around her and asked them to come rescue her and said, I cannot swim anymore. I quit. They hoisted her out of the water, and after they hoisted her out of the water, they asked her, why could she not keep going? It must have been fatigue. It wasn't fatigue. Did you become afraid? No, I wasn't afraid. She said the fog was just so thick that she couldn't see her destination. After getting on the boat, she discovered that she was only one half mile from the coast of California. She was almost there. Two months later, she, she decided to try to do this again. She got back in the water, and then when she got back in the water, she said, today is going to be a successful day. It was beautiful. It was bright. It was sunny. But after 12 hours of swimming, it said that the fog had set in once more, and this time the fog was worse than it was the first time when she tried to make this swim. She kept going. This time she not only swam from the Catalina Islands to the coast, but she swam there faster than ever recorded, two and a half hours faster. When she arrived there on the California coast, there was the news agency waiting there to interview her. They said, last time you tried this, you quit. How did you ever make it this time? She said, this time it was easy because I kept a mental picture of the California coastline in my mind. As long as I didn't lose sight of where I was going, I could handle the trip getting there. Jude, in these two verses, in verses 19 and 20, is calling the believers to, so to say, to get back in the water. It seemed that with these believers that the news that had come upon them, really, and that Jude had spoke about in the, in the first 19 verses, it seemed that the dark fog of apostasy had settled down so far on the believers that they had found themselves in a place that they were ready to quit. They couldn't see what the hope was in front of them. I mean, imagine the devastation that we're speaking of here. The people that these believers once worshipped with are now the same apostates that are mocking them. 
The people that they once ate with at this love feast are the same ones walking after their own lust. The same ones who preached about purity and was in the house of God and heard about what it means to be pure. Jude says these are the same ones who are now walking sensual. And even more, as we close last week, looking at verse 19, he said the reason that these people even behaved this way is because they were lost. It was because they were void of the Spirit. He said this is how these apostates behaved. Uh, but this is not what is supposed to be heard of you. This is where we arrive here in our text this evening. He says, but ye. He says, but ye. What Jude has done in the last 19 verses has summarized the wickedness uh, of these apostates. Even further, summarized the judgment for the apostates. But here in verse 20, he says, but ye. That is how it was with them, but not with you. There's a change in direction here, a magnificent change in direction. That was them, but this is you. This is the call to a distinction that the child of God, that the believer should not walk in the same ways of the apostates. It may be said of the apostates that they lived against God's word, that they used God's word for their own advantage, that they found themselves manipulating scripture, but that was them. And this is you. They lived in sin, but that was them. And this is you. This was, they, they was to be the recipients of sins. They was going to receive the consequences of sin. But remember what Jude says. He said they will receive the consequences of sin. But when we studied the scripture last week, Jude didn't ask them that and tell them they were going to receive the consequences of sin. He said, remember that they're going to receive the consequences of sin, not the believer. And while we're in it, we see today that not only we're called to remember the outcome of it, but Jude here challenges us to remain in our faith. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. It is said that the eye affects the heart. And there are so many movements out here today, people who are professing to be churches, full. Just a few weeks ago, right over in, I guess that would be considered in the Rookwood area, they had a sign posted, come here on Sunday, arrive here this Sunday, and you can be baptized. And you know what? Their lot was full on Sunday. And you know what? They posted pictures of people getting baptized. And you know what? People were weeping while they were getting baptized. And if we're not careful here, it will cause ourselves to be taken away with the emotions and begin to question ourselves and say, oh, what this is going on? It seems so good. What is wrong with us? Jude says, stop this. We have to get back to the place where we balance the world we live in against the word of God. While the world is seem to be flourishing in their supposed churches, uh, 
while they seem to have this vast following, we know that they have this vast following even for, he says, to take advantage. But even in the age where we see this vast following of these apostates, he says, but remember, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Notice what he says here. And in a culture where apostasy is thriving, in a culture where it seems that apostasy is filling churches, tiny waivers from the word of God bring people in. Where just, you don't have to say that every sin is acceptable, just a few, and you'll fill the pews. Just a few, and you'll fill the parking lot. This is what it's called the waiver, but Jude says, how you counter the culture in the age of apostasy is by building yourself up in the most holy faith. We're not called to follow after them. We're called to stand up and strengthen ourselves in the word of God. Here he will challenge them not to quit. Yet it seems that Jude understands the discouragement. He understands what it's doing to them inside but you have to stay the course. The fog of the apostasy has settled down to the place where you cannot see the shore. It seems so dark in the world. It seems that as we preach the gospel and as we share the gospel, that we're losing on every side. It seems at times that we're not gaining ground. It seems that though we take people to the word of God, they believe the lies of others on TV. But yet, even though we're facing this in this day and age, though it seems to settle down and dampen our spirits, he says, build yourselves up in the most holy faith. Well, how do we survive in the age of darkness? <laughs> I believe much like Florence Chadwick. How do we survive in this age of apostasy? By keeping our eyes on the shores of glory. And by keeping our eyes on what's yet on the finish line, it may be dark, but if we'll just continue on, and this is Jude's challenge, to remain. Even in the next verse, when he comes to the end of the next verse, he says, um, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto what? Unto eternal life. The reminder is that it is not going to end here. Yes, you're fighting here. Yes, it's dark here. But even in the age of darkness, I find it interesting that we've seen in verses 17 and 18 that this is the warning, that this is the reality of the coming last days. But yet, in the reality of the coming last days, Jude doesn't say, sit back and become stagnant. Don't worry. The Lord's coming is just around the corner. He says, yes, this is the reality of the last days. Yes, judgment is really coming for these apostates. Yet, though this is the last days, yet though judgment is coming, he says, build up yourselves in the most holy faith. It's not time to sit down. It's not time to step back and say, don't worry, God's judgment is coming. It's time to invest in yourself, in the word of God. This is what's interesting here. But, beloved, but ye beloved, building up yourselves in the most, on your most holy faith. The way Jude says this is, it's in the imperative form. Jude doesn't say, hey, brethren, in this age of apostasy, you know what, 
if you feel like it, it might be a good idea. No, Jude says, in this age of apostasy, it is imperative that you build up your most holy, uh, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. He gives us here this metaphor. This idea is presented that we are builders. This morning I was on the phone with Brother Pearson. He's having some repairs done at his home. In the moment that I was on the phone with him, I asked how things were going, and he said, well, everybody's standing around because there was no material to build with. The material had not yet arrived for them to do any work. And I tell you that the reason that so many Christians are defeated, the reason that so many Christians are broke down is that because they have failed to draw from God's word to build up their most holy faith. you you got to realize something. You cannot be influenced by that which you do not know. You can't be encouraged by that which you do not know. If you are not in the Word of God, learning the Word of God, studying the Word of God, you have nothing to build with. Jude is reminding them the only thing that will stand the test of time. You would think about this. In the age of apostasy, in the age of persecution, in the age of all of these different things, he didn't say hide. He said build. Build up yourselves upon your most holy faith. Without the word of God, we have no word to speak against the apostates of this world. You know what I found in speaking with people who've fallen into what I would say is baffling teachings and confusing doctrines? I've tried to even reason with people on a reasoning level. You ever tried that before? Like, think about what you're saying, and you try to reason with it and reason it out with them, and they still condemn you and say you're wrong. Because reasoning will not combat heresy. Reasoning will not combat apostasy. The only thing that can combat apostasy is the word of God. It's not enough to say that their doctrine's wrong. It's not enough to say that their teaching is wrong. We're called to build on our character, build our commitment. We're called to saturate ourselves in the word of God. By the way, notice something about this here. He says, but ye, beloved, meaning you, you, beloved, specifically the reader, the hearer, but you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. The construction, the building of your spiritual life rests solely upon you. Now, you can arrive here Sunday and Wednesday and hear from me and go home and study and learn from the Word of God. And this is true and this is great and this is why we're here. But building up yourself, there is a personal responsibility given to us to strengthen ourselves in God's Word. It's a personal responsibility. You study. You find the brick. You find the mortar. You dig in deep. Build up yourselves upon your most holy faith. I mean, this is a strange thing to us, right? To say that if you jumped out of a plane and you had a life preserver, I mean, not a life preserver, if you jumped out of a plane and you had a parachute, you're pulling it. You want to survive. 
If you're in the ocean and you have a life preserver, you're clinging to it. Yet we say that our faith is solely in Christ. And we have a way to survive, and yet we stray from it. We stray from the word. It seems that we stray from the truth. But he challenges us to, beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. The challenge is to remain. It's to master the book and to let the book master you. He said step two to building up your most holy faith is to, he says here in the last part of verse 20, praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude brings us to this reality that the battle that we're facing, and this is often confusing to us, we look at the people who we view in doctrine that is anti-Scripture as they are apostates, and this is true. But it's not called for us to physically engage them because they've gone from the Scripture. Jude says, these are the people that you once fellowshiped with. These are the people that you once worshiped with. They hurt you, and it's true. But remember, he brings us back to this place that our battle is not physical. It's not carnal. It's spiritual. This is how we overcome apostasy, by strengthening ourselves in prayer. He said, praying in the Holy Ghost. I hope you're seeing that countering culture, countering the culture of those who stand up in the age of apostasy is that we're not called to use their weapons. We're not called to take advice of how they're building their church. It's really to remain and to stay the course. It's actually even a call to hear what we see here, praying in the Holy Ghost, is to access weapons that they do not even have which is access to the Heavenly Father. When we pray in the Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to Him. We rest on His wisdom. We seek His will. We trust in His power. J. Sidlow Baxter, who's gone to be with the Lord now, he was a a well-known theologian. And one day, it was in the later years of uh, Sidlow Baxter's life, one day the grandfather was standing inside the church, and as he was standing inside the church, his grandson had walked in, and his grandson had just graduated from seminary. This grandfather was so proud of his grandson, he hurried and grabbed his grandson and took him over to J. Sidlow Baxter, proud as could be for his grandson who just graduated seminary. And he goes on to tell Sidlow Baxter about all the great achievements that his grandson had just done. Sidlow Baxter, with his wrinkled hands, grabbed the young man and pulled him down close to him. And the man said he'll never forget the words. He said, young man, I have a word for you while I have you in my clutches. Give yourself to personal Bible study and to private prayer. And then you will not only be ready to be a minister, but God's messenger. See, the reality is, is that when we arrive here week after week and just glean from a scripture, you can know the word of God, right? You can know that another religion is wrong because you know the word of God, but you've not yet been equipped to be God's messenger. 
You've not yet been prepared to be God's minister. We have to sharpen ourselves in the word of God. So we not have secondhand knowledge, but firsthand knowledge with scripture. He goes on to say here, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I am yet undetermined whether this verse is my favorite verse in the entire book of Jude. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. What does this mean to keep ourselves in the love of God? What does it mean to keep ourselves in obedience? Um, what does it mean to keep? It means to keep ourselves in obedience to him, to live our lives in obedience to him. It means to keep ourselves from rebellion and sin. It means that it's, it, it's just, it's not to just keep though. This, it's, this is not just a moment. He's not saying keep yourselves in the love of God for a moment. This is a life statement. This is a statement where he's challenging them to remain in a life of obedience unto God, to live a life that is not in re rebellion against him. Uh, Jude says that we have to keep the pace until the, the very end and, and not quit. Now, Jude is not calling for perfection. He says here, though, how do we know he's not calling for perfection? We see he's calling us to keep in God's love, meaning to not be in rebellion, to not live in sin. But he's not saying that we could ever enter into a place of perfection because he says, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jude is not calling to perfection because perfection is unattainable. But here he says the call is to remain. Even when you make mistakes, it is not a license to quit. You see here, looking for mercy, Jude is bringing to the reality, why would you, if you're, if you're striving to live a life that is not in sin, why would you ever be looking for mercy? Well, because the reality is, as you're striving to live for God, and as you're striving to live in an agreement with Him, the reality is that you can't, because you're in this flesh. But when you fail, it doesn't mean quit. It means look for God's mercy. Look to Him for mercy. I think that's what makes Hebrews 11 so amazing. When Hebrews, was, Hebrews chapter 11 was written, all the people that is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11 are already gone in, in heaven. Hebrews chapter 11 is the memoir of their life. I mean, as an example, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went. Abraham, by faith he did this? I mean, if that's not staggering, Romans chapter 4 and verse 20 says that he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Wait a minute. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief? but was strong in faith, giving glory to God? 
The same Abraham that had Ishmael? The same Abraham who traded his wife off Sarah twice? This was not an account of every mistake man made. This was about a man who kept looking for the mercies of God and remained. This is the story of Hebrews chapter 11. It wasn't about people who didn't make mistakes. It's about people who made mistakes and didn't quit. They remained. They remained looking for the mercies of God. Even David, David's there listed in Hebrews chapter 11, a man after God's own heart. And yet we're sitting here saying that David lived a life of faith even after Bathsheba. Samson listed there in Hebrews chapter 11 that he lived a life of faith after he not only broke his covenant touching dead carcasses, not only after he broke his covenant with Delilah, not after he only broke his covenant, giving up and telling what his secret was. But yes, but he did all of those things. But that's not how Samson's life ended. That's not how David's life ended. That's not how Abraham's life ended. They were people who remained in the faith. That's what 21 says. Keeping yourselves in the love of God and looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And so it is for each and every one of us. Verse 21 says, yes, and this is Jude's challenges to the, to the believers and to the readers. Yes, you may have been persuaded by the apostates. Yes, you may have been tricked. Yes, you may have, so to say, been bamboozled. You may have been tricked and now have found yourself surrounded by darkness and you was one of the ones who allowed it to even come about by not standing guard. Jude said, this ain't time to quit. This is time to build yourselves up. So you made a mistake. So you made a mistake. Looking unto the mercies of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it by all means, because you made a mistake, and it was a grievous mistake, it's not a license to quit. It's not a license to give up. And so now they, maybe the apostates are in the church. Now you have to remember and you have to remain in the word and you have to remain in prayer and remind yourself this is just the beginning of mistakes that you're going to experience in your life. But it's not the epitaph on your stone. If we will just remain. What, is, what, the, what did the Bible say that the Lord was looking for? What is the statement to hear? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Not perfect servant, but that we remain in the faith. Everyone who becomes a preacher, uh, they always have this grand desire for the Lord to use them to, to, to bring on the next great awakening. It just seems like you just want to be the preacher who's used <laughs> to, 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 for God to bring on this great revival. In the early of the first century, God used this great man named George Whitfield to bring on revival. In his autobiography, this was written. Whitfield had fallen sick and he was unable to travel and to go on, uh, and he had to travel home. Saturday, September 29th, 1770, he was sick. They had 
been trying to reach his home. It said by noon they had reached the town of Exeter. He had not planned to preach, but on arriving found that he could not refrain from doing so. That is, there was an outdoor platform that they had erected and a large company of people had gathered there and were gathered waiting to hear him. Whitfield's sermon that night or that afternoon lasted two hours in length. Following this tremendous effort, Whitfield continued his journey and late that afternoon arrived in New, um, Newburyport, Massachusetts. The street in front of the house had filled with people, and as he began to make the way, his way up the stairs into his home, several, of them, several people were around the door and had began to beg him to preach to them. Unwilling, but despite his weariness, he stood on the landing, halfway up the stairs, candle in hand, and preached Christ. He was soon greatly alive to, on his subject that he was preaching, meaning Christ, and becoming heedless of the time, he continued to speak till finally the candle flickered. It burned itself out and died away. That dying flame that burned out the candle, they say, was the representative that evening of the man himself because that night, September 29, 1770, he would go up to his bedroom and die. Whitfield went out the way he lived. He remained. Despite his illness, despite his weariness, despite the mockers, despite it all, until the bitter end, he kept himself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Something happened. And this is what Jude is calling all of us to here and calling the believers to in this day, the recipients of this original epistle. Yes, you've made mistakes. Yes, you've made bad decisions. But this doesn't mean quit. This means that we have to remain. And I could almost see it. You know, you, you can almost see the thought processes in their mind. Jude says, you can't quit, but you don't understand what I did. <laughs> I did this. I'm, here I am. I'm saying that I'm a Christian, and look what I did. He, he said, remain. But you don't understand. Look, your problem is you're not looking forward to the mercies of God. You're trying to take one bad decision and make it the decipher for your entire life, and that is the exact opposite, opposite of Hebrews chapter 11. It's the exact opposite of what the Word of God teaches. Despite illnesses, despite mistakes, despite it all, the point of this verse is 20 and 21. Jude says, let your candle burn out preaching and teaching about the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. It's hard to preach to people about how God can forgive sin and we live a life like God ain't forgave ours. It's hard to tell people how about how good his mercy is and we act like he ain't ever given us any of it because we keep bringing up all the sins of our past that he's given us mercy on. Jude says you have to get past it. 
You don't get the opportunity to quit. This isn't the opportunity to lay down. This is the opportunity to recognize the only reason you got here is because of your lack of understanding in the word of God. So build yourselves up in your most holy faith. It's your responsibility. Now, the reason it happened before, because you wasn't prepared. Now build yourself up in the word of God. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Remain. Remain no matter what. Bad decisions, good decisions, stay with it till the end. Keep your eyes on the shores of glory. When, the, when it looks dark, glory. When it looks bright, glory. Never forget, we are just passing through. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your mercy this evening. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us. Strengthen us, Lord, as we're coming to a close here in your word in the book of Jude. Lord, I want us to grab a hold of these last few verses where Jude turns the table through the movement of the Holy Spirit. He turns the table on our hearts and says, this is what they were, but now us. What should we do in this age of apostasy? Lord, help us to, to build ourselves up in your word, to pray, pray, and pray. Lord, may we even more keep looking forward to the day we're with you and understand that in, even in this dark age, even in this dark age, there is something bright and glorious waiting for us. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.